0: Welcome to the Shelf Wormers Podcast, the show about toys, why we like them, our connections to the figures, and their relevance to bigger topics.
1: I'm your co-host Sugu, and tonight we're going to talk about Brandon Sanderson
0: and Wired. I'm your co-host Darby, and where do you even start?
1: <laughs> I'm just sitting here in kind of a daze about yeah. what we just... What?
0: <laughs> Is it real? <laughs> We begin by way of introduction. I'm Darby Harn, a freelance writer and editor and an independent author. Publishers Weekly called my novel Ever the Hero an entertaining debut which uses superpowers as a metaphor to delve into class politics and an alternate America. You can find more information about me and my books at DarbyHarn.com. I'm also on Twitter at Darby And
1: I'm Sugu, your co-host. I work in IT and education and I'm also passionate about writing and story. You can find some of my travel writings on allaboutjapan.com, where I've written various articles about my life and perspectives in Japan. Tonight, we're going to talk about one of the most infuriating and enraging articles I have written, I have read. God, I would never write this piece of tripe garbage. Oh my God, this is horrible. Darby, why don't you fill us all in? What's, what, what? I, I, I can't.
0: So, when people hear this, this will be uh, a little bit after what is probably the the biggest sort of uh, what would you say literary incident of uh, the 2020s um, Jesus because wired on what is today? Today is Saturday. Did this happen yesterday or Thursday? March twenty third. Excuse me, Thursday. I don't know because time has stopped. Um, <laughs> Wired um, ran a profile by a, a writer named uh, Jason Key. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And I wanted. I want to be sure because I want to be respectful. Unlike <laughs> Jason. <laughs> who went to Brandon Sanderson in Utah. Brandon lives, uh, I I think it's outside Salt Lake City. He attended Dragon Steel Con, which is Brandon's own personal (laughs) convention, which is nuts. He stayed at his house.
1: For five days. For
0: five days. He went out to dinner with him a couple times. Um to do what feels like a little bit of old-school rolling stone slash vanity fair profile of the big celebrity in which you kind of get a little bit more granular than you do in just general sort of news pieces personality pieces you're trying to get at them a little bit that's what i think the intent was And this article with Jason is titled Brandon Sanderson is your God. Subtitle. He's the biggest fantasy writer in the world. He's also very Mormon. These things are profoundly related. These things are profoundly obvious, Jason. So let's talk about this hit piece that he has done. I'll just lay the groundwork and then we can kind of dissect things, I suppose. Um, Number one, this is a hit piece if there ever was one. This was written, edited, and published with malicious intent, ignorance, and incoherence because it is full of contradictions and lazy off-the-shelf assumptions and uh, prejudices because we're going to talk about some shit. Yeah, um, Brandon, it makes assertions about Brandon Sanderson, which I think are are inappropriate if you're if you don't like his writing and I just want to say up front to be completely transparent, I'm not a fan of Brandon Sanderson's writing. I'm just not a fan of it. I We talked about Brandon elsewhere on the pod. I think Brandon's an interesting guy. I also pay an enormous amount of attention to what he's doing, because of what he's doing. He is, as this article states, the biggest fantasy writer in the world. He's also the biggest. Um, what is the right word I want to use here? He is right now the biggest disruptor in publishing. He is. A high, he is. I don't know how much he represents in tours bottom line but he has moved aggressively into self-publishing successfully he that this article i think comes out of the his kickstarter? the kickstarter which made 42 million dollars he made 30 million dollars of that 42 that the kickstarter raised on day one okay um he's also in a very public fight with Amazon over the audible rights to his books because he, oh, really? he thinks okay. we'll talk about this. I think because Jason doesn't, um, <laughs> that's, that's, I want, I want to be honest. and I want to say I, so I am a writer. I found this offensive on a number of levels. I don't want to be offensive to Jason key because that was not right. It's not cool and it's not appropriate. So if I sound sort of dismissive or derisive, I I, I I, don't mean to be. I am angry, though. I don't know anything about Jason Key. I don't really need to know anything about him. I do know this. Actually, Sugu, I forget my train of thought. I was going to tell you about Amazon. So you got to stop me because I'm going to do a lot of... Uh, we're going to do a lot of branching today. Um. Yeah? Um... He over the Audible rights, he did not give his books, the new books, the secret projects are not on Audible because he believes rightly that Audible is uh, stiffing creators and authors on the royalties. And so he has chosen not to go with them and foregoing even more millions of dollars. I cannot afford to do this. When I do an audiobook for my books, they will have to be on Audible. They will almost certainly be exclusive on Audible because I can't afford not to have it on the biggest platform in the world. It'd basically be suicide. Brandon Sanderson okay. is telling the largest platform, the largest corporation in the world that they can go pound sand for people like me, for my benefit, not his, right? That never comes up once. In this article, and this guy's like, he, I, I drove all the way from San Francisco, God forbid, to Salt Lake City to find, out, to find out about Brandon Sanderson, but I was bored. I found him boring. You never once asked him. If I was a journalist and I had five days with Brandon Sanderson, there are three things I would ask him right off the top. And I guarantee you, I'd get 4,000 words out of it. Number one would be God damn, dude, right? God damn. <laughs> Two would be What are your thoughts on the future of publishing? You're clearly now a hybrid author. What are you do you intend to go hybrid in terms of are you gonna Brandon, are you gonna end up making your own movies? Are you gonna end up making your own TV? You have sort of he's Clearly, this article clearly, through no intent, but just by, by sheer accident, lays out that Brandon clearly is intent on um, building out a bigger media empire. Never asks him about it. And all, thirdly, tell me about Amazon, tell me about Audible, and tell me what, why creators and authors, especially those who don't have your largesse, don't have your cultural impact or cachet, are so important to you. He spent some of his money that he raised from Kickstarter, Kickstarter, excuse me, on funding other smarter smaller kickstarters that were running at the same time. He went through, he and his staff, they went through about 50 to 60, I forget, kickstarters that were closing around the same time as his. And if they were close enough to fund, like they weren't going to fund but they were like like $10, $100, $1000, he funded them. He did. Whoa. Okay. Whatever you think about Brandon Sanderson as a writer, again, I am not personally a fan of his writing. I've tried them. I found them very difficult to get into. I just don't. He's not appealing to me, but that's not important because, like I said, I'm mostly interested in these other things. Whatever you think about him as a writer, you know who isn't funding other people's books? J.K. Rowling. You know what I mean? She's funding anti-trans legislation in the UK whatever you think about him as a Mormon you know what he's not doing I don't think he's doing right he's not talking about these okay so we can talk about all that and we should but this article the whole premise of this article the whole bait of this article is that there's nothing to Brandon Sanderson and if that was the case if that was his thesis okay he went out there, he tried to scratch at a literary sort of thing, and came away thinking, he's just not a good writer. Okay, that's, your, that's this guy's opinion, right? And that's a lot of people's opinions. If I had a dime for every person in the last 24 hours who said, I don't like Brandon Sanderson, but I could have funded a Kickstarter by myself. Because there's a ton of people on Twitter and elsewhere, YouTube, in the last 24 hours that don't like Brandon Sanderson, his work, his books that aren't fans that came okay. that came out with pitchforks over this article because of how mean, incoherent, and inconsiderate it is. And it starts right away with just things yeah. that aren't true. As far this is a quote, as far as I can tell Sanderson, who has been topping bestseller lists for the better part of the 21st century true, has not been written about in any depth by any major publication ever untrue. He's been written about by the New York Times. He's been featured on 60 Minutes. I could go on, right? It's not true. And then in a dig, he called his publicist to confirm this. Well, we have a piece. The publicist isn't even named. Well, we have a piece coming up in LDS Living. You were out there for five days. That's LDS as in Latter-day Saints, so apparently the wired crowd doesn't know what LDS means. It's a magazine for Mormons, Jason informs us. And this is where we get really ugly, Sugu. You jump in anytime. You stop me, Sugu. Okay?
1: Oh no, I'm going to let you keep going cuz this is great. This is
0: this is now this is the most disgusting part. We're about 500 words into this article. It's a magazine for Mormons, quote, which makes sense. Sanderson is extremely Mormon. What makes less sense is why there's a hole the size of Utah where, where the man's literary reputation should be. I don't know what that means. Is it because he mostly writes fantasy, so the snobs sneer, quote-unquote, sub-literary genre? Which snobs are we talking about, Jason? But then so do J.K. Rowling, Margaret Atwood, and George R.R. Martin and their household names. Is it because Sanderson's work has not been, has is it because none, excuse me, is it because none of Sanderson's work has been adapted for the screen? Well, he wrote three of the Wheel of Time books and an adaptation of that series came out on, on Amazon Prime in 2021. Very quickly, he is he finished the Wheel of Time series because Robert Jordan passed away. He wrote none of the books, which the first season of Wheel of Time is based on. Um, Could it be finally because he's a weirdo Mormon? Jason's words, but so are Orson Scott Card, Ender's Game, Glenn A. Larson, the original Battlestar Galactica, and Stephanie Meyer, Twilight. Mormon, I mean, only Orson Scott Card is also a weirdo, end quote. So I just want to say for the record, that I'm not Mormon. I'm a Catholic. I disagree with many of the tenets of the Mormon faith. They don't keep me up at night. And I don't think they're weirdos. I would never say that. I would never print that. And I would never stand on it. It's outrageous. This was published in 2023 so, by a reputable journal.
1: Yeah, so my take on that was... Uh, I mean, okay, look, for for the record... I'm a, a I'm an staunch atheist, right? Like I've Yeah. I've been against the the Mormon cult as it as it's been a cult the things that they do that are cult-like. I've been against that. As an organized religion, I have no problem with it. As a way to build community, fine. I've had friends who were Mormon. I've talked with them about their faith, Um, the community outreach that they have done as they say is part of their religion or that their beliefs dictate that they should do. I'm a fan of the cult aspects of Mormonism. I'm against that is my background coming into this article. And even I'm pissed off at the way that he writes about Mormons. It's comp- I'm like, wow. It's comp- you yeah. are. I mean, holy crap. He, to me, he comes off straight away as I'm from the city. Everything else is Hickville redneck. So right away, we have this, uh, uh, like elitism of I'm from a city and you're Hick redneck. One. And then we pivot right into I'm from the city and a cool, like non believer because I'm from the city and you re- weirdo rednecks, you have your own crazy religion. Like even for me, that's a that's a shade too far. That's that's ridiculous. That's irresponsible of yes. wired to publish it. It is. Unless they're trying to make a hit piece and then try to do engagement or try to increase engagement, you know, with the whole clickbait algorithm. But damn, that's insulting to everybody. Yeah. The Senate, including non-believers, the cynic
0: in me sort of suspects that they knew that this was going to generate this kind of reaction. And so they were really interested in the clicks because to this point, Saturday morning, the 25th, there has been no apology and or retraction. And the, the the overwhelming reaction to this has been negative and that generally issues some response from the editorial even if that's to say we stand by it right um yeah one one reason the fact that
1: they didn't pick anything
0: right go ahead so far one reason i wanted to talk to you about this i want to talk about this for a lot of reasons that have to do with being a writer being a journalist i am a journalist i have been for since college um um being a nerd, and we haven't even gotten into that. But this, this—no, no, I can't
1: wait to get into that part. This
0: brought me back to college, Sugu, and this is one reason I want to talk to you about so much about this because there's a lot of things in here that snap me back very hard to that sort of, um, when I was in college, I think I was very much a Brandon Sanderson type guy. I was a nerd. I was overweight, and I was very out of place. Right. I was very out of place and I encountered and I was poor as dirt as Brandon Sanderson is not now, but he was then in college. He'll tell you. Um, And he likes to talk. That is correct. The Jason in this article mentions uh, Sanderson's verbosity, but yet that didn't generate any. He says at the end of this article that there was there's only one quote out of five days that he got, even though Sanderson is legendary in his verbosity. I think that's bullshit. It's like, like I said, I'm not super. I'm yeah. not into Brandon Sanderson as a writer. He, you could get quotes out of him. Um, but this brought me back to that elitism that was rife in Iowa City, that was rife in Dublin, amongst our own cr- peers, fellow students, amongst yep. our instructors yep. and teachers and professors, amongst the whole sort of milieu of this. Sniffling, sort of. You know, this isn't real. And this was again. This was. This is why this is so ridiculous. Because this article is about twenty five years out of date. This shit is well. The shit that he goes on to say about nerd culture and nerds in particular is very, very old and tired and left behind in the dirt, left behind in the dust. Like, cause, ner- cause, popular culture yeah. is nerd culture, and it has been roundabout. 20 years.
1: Well, can I, can we take a slight diversion? Yeah. yeah. And it's one of the things that I was thinking about when we got to the, when I got to the nerd part in this article is this is Big Bang Theory all over again. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean the damn show. Yeah. I hate that show. I feel like I've said this on the podcast before. But it might have been just you and I talking and not on the podcast. So let me say on the record now, I hate that show. And I hate that show because the nerds are the butt of the joke. You, the audience, are meant to side with the, quote, normies in making fun of the nerds. Contrast that with another show called Community, where... You're including the nerds in the joke. Like the joke yes. isn't making fun of the nerds. It is making references and going further Yes. so that the nerds are part of it, which also, by the way, is inclusive of the quote normies because normies versus nerds is a stupid ass category anyway.
0: It's stupid and it, it's, it's nonsense. It was always nonsense. <laughs> and that's an excellent point about big bang theory and this contrast with Community, which is a show I love, and maybe someday we can talk about it on the pod. Um, I hate Big Bang Theory for the reason you stated, the, the, the reductive, condescending attitude it takes towards its own characters and the culture that uh-huh. it depicts. And also its, it's um, thin portrayal of autism in, um, what's his name? I don't know his name. Sheldon. Sheldon. Thank you. Contrast that with community, which is the, like you said, the, uh, uh, a nuanced, I think (laughs) complicated for sure. Uh, and, and, um, you know, certainly considered approach to nerddom, including autism of which Abed is autistic. um, Contrast that with Big Bang Theory, and contrast it with this. This article is basically if you took the Big Bang Theory, created an AI chatbot, and then told it to spit out this. What do you think of Brandon Sanderson? Yep. That's what that chatbot would have spit out. Is this like th- this? Is I'm like,
1: actually wondering whether this was just simply AI written.
0: It feels like it because it because it's incoherent it's incoherent we'll talk about why i think as we go through and we're not going to quote the entire article folks don't don't worry but we'll link to it you can read it um you should read it just because not because they deserve the clicks but this is a great example if you want guys if you want to learn how to be one a good person don't do anything in this article if you want to learn how to be a good writer don't do anything in this article um can I, mm-hmm.
1: can I very quickly just quote one line in here because we're never going to quote it ever, but I just want to bring it up to oh, to epitomize the writing in this article. Are you ready? Yeah. Quote, then I watch his son salt his yakisoba, unquote. Okay. <laughs> that is such a garbage sentence on so many levels
0: and that's it's so
1: not necessary for this article it's not the point at all and it just it again reeks of all that like these rednecks put salt on yakisoba or as you know because he's from san francisco so of course he knows all the authentic food not like utah japanese which is literally the line above it.
0: So let's, can we talk this? I'm glad you brought that up, Sugu. Can we talk about sentences for a second? And I want to talk about the thing (laughs) that really, I think, betrays the writer. And that is the word sentence. The word sentence recurs in this article five times i'm going to give them all to you guys i just said we're not going to quote the article but i want to i want to illustrate something that is very important okay the first one is that at the sentence level he sanderson is no great gift to english prose. he then gives a sample sentence i won't read it the third example relating he's talking to fans at sanderson's convention if they mention his sentences at all it is merely to acknowledge that they're easier to read than, say, Tolkien's. Again, no direct quotes at all. Very few direct quotes in this article. Yep. The fourth is that the writer says people don't care about s- sentences. He's referring to fans. They care about Sanderson. And the final one is in the final paragraph. So many of us, plural, Mistake sentences for a story, but story is the thing. This article, Sugu, is reflective of a literary ambition on the part of the writer. This is a person who styles themselves as a writer, has ambition to be a writer, but frankly doesn't have it. And not only do they not have it, they know it, and they just spent 4,000 words explaining why. This, this is an off-the-shelf, basic takedown of a target. And Sanderson's a target, and he's huge in the culture. He's a target that reflects nothing of Sanderson and only the writer's own yep. preoccupations with their own literary shortcomings. And that is what is most uh, triggering to me about my collegiate experience because I ran into that all the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean in many ways I'm still uh dealing with my own issues because of it as well. Yeah. Um can I just say like yeah, yeah. to sum up this entire article into one word, I would honestly say projection. Projection, yeah. This writer knows he's got nothing and <laughs> yeah. is jealous as all hell about Brandon Sanderson. He wants everything Brandon Sanderson has. And I would even speculate that the writer thinks that Brandon Sanderson does not deserve oh. whatever he has Clearly. because he's in Utah and he's Mormon. Religious people don't deserve $10 million a year while this writer is writing for Wired, one of the, quote, top magazines of... Whatever, whatever statistic you want, he's writing for it in San Francisco, which is nicknamed the city like it's so important in the world that it doesn't even need its own name or a shortened version of its name.
0: There's some New Yorkers only the city. There's some New Yorkers listening to this right now who disagree vehemently with that label people
1: from every city disagree with it but san francisco is the one that they call themselves the city
0: well just for clarification Um, i I will attest to this new york city is the city it is referred to the city (laughs) by new yorkers because of new york state new york city it is the city san francisco lovely place (laughs) i've been a few times new york is the city Anyway, no. I mean, look, I got, <laughs> I got nothing
1: against San Francisco as a location, it's right? A great, like I've been there; it's, it's, it's lovely. It's one I of the greatest,
0: best places on earth. I, I love it,
1: but that doesn't mean that it's better than anywhere else just because you live there. Like your presence or this writer's presence has no bearing on the greatness of San Francisco or not it and it just feels this this piece is just dripping with jealousy and projection is my take on it
0: anxiety um uh inadequacy um and this manifests in really ugly ways and and i i was i've been the brunt of this in college and after um in so many ways, but certainly on the literary front where I I get people who are, I was told to my face in college, I'd written a story and it was about basically being poor. And then literally this person said to me, all you people have those kinds of stories. By you people. All you people. Yeah. What he meant by that was poor people. We all have the same stories. Therefore, they were worthless. That's the kind of snobbery, uh, sort of condescending tone from people who are infinitely less talented than I am. And I knew it and they knew it, which is why they said it, Um, uh-huh. that comes, that reeks from this article. And Brandon Sanderson may never win any literary awards. I'll go out on a limb and say probably he won't. He hasn't won any of the major genre awards. He's never won a Nebula. He's never won a Hugo. Right. I think that's a reflection of him. Literary ter- and where he places in terms of the literary sort of within the genre itself. I think that's a fair criticism. His prose is not good. He will tell you that his prose is not good. He actually says this in the article. He says, I'm more interested in the characters in the story. His fans are clearly more interested in that than anything. Right. They care about these characters. They care about these worlds. They care so much; they're so personally invested that they're naming their children after characters in his books. I think it kind of doesn't matter at that stage whether or not his sentences are any good, right? Kind of doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter. Um. But this this man this condescension this sort of uh, icky. Um, sort of elitist sort of stuff that I thought was really a relic and clearly is not then manifests in fat shaming now this is pretty fat shaming yeah so a couple paragraphs after, two paragraphs after the weirdo Mormon thing they're sitting in an empty restaurant quote he sits across from me in an empty restaurant kind of lordly and sure of his insights in a graphic t-shirt and ill-fitting blazer which he wears oh, right. because it makes him look professorial. It doesn't. He isn't. Brandon Sanderson is actually a teacher, an instructor. I don't know if professor is the right word, at BYU. He teaches Yeah, I was going to say, like,
1: I thought he actually
0: does. Brandon Sanderson, in another bit of his charity, has made enormous amounts of his lectures and courses that he does at BYU free online on YouTube. Okay, there are people, his students, which are paying, I imagine, a sick amount of money in tuition, right, for the privilege of studying in his classes. He, he makes them free online for anybody to learn about, you name a subject and like how to write a novel, he, it's on there. Now, I won't speak to their quality because I haven't watched them, right? I'm not, I'm not a young writer who needs to learn how to write a book. Well, some days I could probably use some tips. But so they're not aimed at me. But young writers, people wanting to learn craft and things like that, that's a, that's an enormous fucking resource that we didn't have when we were when we were in college. Yeah, right? right, right. So this dunk on him, number one, for saying he's not professorial, is kind of ignorant, right? And then the ill-fitting blazer, which is accompanied by this picture, which I think is unflattering of Brandon and I don't know. Yeah, I
1: always thought that that was a weird picture to take of him. It's He's holding a sword in a t-shirt and a blazer.
0: It's like... Let me say this. As a person who's been... We did a whole episode about fat shaming with Thor. As a person who has been very big, you are also always super conscious about how you take photos. Brandon, it occurs to me here was not only the victim of a hit job in the piece he was a victim of a hit job by this photographer okay brandon probably doesn't get a lot of professional photographers looking to do portraits of him. i'm guessing right and so when the photographer's like go stand over in the corner with your sword you're gonna look badass you're gonna you know this type of thing brandon probably didn't realize that this guy had blown out the entire image with the flash this looks like shit by the way i'll just say it this looks like shit I mean look at the hilt on the sword it's completely washed out it's washed out and then all the, what this image does is emphasize Brandon's size Brandon is my age I think probably younger um but we're in the neighborhood we're we're in the back forty um and Brandon is Brandon is heavier than I am but Brandon is not aware I think of what's happening he certainly was not aware of what was happening with this article he brandon if anything is going to learn an enormous lesson from this which is i'm never going to talk to motherfuckers again from this type of thing right like
1: yeah
0: so that's the but i I just want to say all this is just to say i think this is really beneath the art if you don't like his writing and you even if your premise is i don't think he deserves his success for whatever reason what does that have to do with the fact that he's overweight what that doesn't have anything to do with it you don't know anything about him you don't know if he has a health condition you don't know you don't know anything so he's like me he sits down a lot he writes all day right so he's maybe he's not really active i don't know he seems really active because just because he's that's all brandon ever says is as i'm going here and doing this you know he's he's feels like he gets around a lot None of that matters because it's not relevant to this article that's then followed immediately by the San Francisco thing. This is what I drove all the way from San Francisco to the suburbs of salt lake- salt Lake City for
1: Well, can I tell you that i one of the things that I've talked before uh I don't think here on this podcast, but one of the things I've talked before in, in terms of fat shaming is um It's amazing to me how people think, uh, especially American, American culture, tends to think like if you're fat, you don't deserve to be happy. Yeah. Like ever. You don't deserve to have any sort of joy in your life. You don't deserve to be confident if you're overweight. Like if you're overweight, you should be like, I don't know, disgusted with yourself all the time and never like, I I don't know. Have you, have you seen this at all? Cause I've seen this as well, where if someone is overweight, but happy, they get a ton of vitriol thrown at them because like, I, how dare you be happy while you're overweight? And you're like, what the, f-? that I, has nothing to do with you.
0: I'm reluctant to talk about this in too much detail for, for other reasons, but I do get this. I get this. I I've gotten this recently I get an enormous amount of shit uh, which is I think is veiled envy, I think. I don't know because I don't feel particularly awesome guys, right? I don't like, you know, that type of a thing and that goes into the picture thing. I, I am so, we talked about this on the, the, the I suffer from body dysmorphia. I, I said it on the Thor, but if I, it wasn't plain, I do. When I'm taking a picture, especially with another person certainly with someone, you know, a partner or someone I really care about. I am overly concerned about the disposition between us in terms of just size to the point that it ruins the experience. So, and then I get, I get shit from people and, and they're, they're like, how literally, literally, how do you do it? How do I do what? How do how do you X, Y, whatever? It's like, I, I don't I, I don't when, I don't know what you're talking about. I, if, if you're asking me like, how does a person of size have a romantic relationship with a person of the same or opposite sex? It's generally because the other person is interested in you, right? They <laughs> must care about you. They can't imagine it. They can't imagine it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, sometimes I can't imagine it, but that's not but what they're you know so i i may feel insecure or inadequate about something i guess but that that's not an obstruction to anything because it's like you know you're never going to be like oh you're the hottest person i've ever met i feel insecure therefore we're going to stop talking never stop me once so like i'm you know they could be upset all they want and they can write about it, I suppose, and they can do this shit. But I got this shit in college. I got this shit in college when I was much heavier. I was twice as heavy then. God, God, as I am now. Just real quick, and I think you you might have been here. But the there was a party. A friend of ours, roommate was featured in uh he played football for the hawkeyes we went to the university of iowa and he was one of the sexiest people alive in people magazine that year um this football player
1: oh i vaguely remember
0: this there was a huge party when the around about the time the magazine came out that we were and then we were at i think we were all there i feel i feel like everybody was there uh at this apartment and this was your you can imagine what this scene looked like, you know, it was a lot of young college students, a lot of whom were very young and attractive and things like that. And I looked like I did. I looked like Brandon Sanderson does in this photo back then. And I felt very inadequate. And but I but I went with another mutual friend of ours who literally, literally had to elbow guys away because they were so fucking annoying. Right. They wouldn't leave her alone. So, it's that's the type of you know, and the thing I just felt enormously out of place, and people made me feel out of place because they look at you, right? They're looking, like, who who is who is this guy? And so those are some of the intersections that you come up with in college. That there was, I I was a nerd who had no business. I went, I was I was at sorority parties, I was things like that because of people I knew. I look back on it now and I'm like, why? what I was, things like that. And in those places, we knew a lot of people in sororities. We knew people in fraternities. We knew there's very clicky sort of things like that. And within all of that, and then there also above all that were the literary cliques that were severe in Iowa City. Um, From all of that, you get this downward sort of like, you know, don't bother, dude, right? I don't, how did you get in here? They're checking your card kind of a thing. This that this is what to go back to the point. This is what that whole article feels like, like they're checking Brandon's yeah. card at the door. Like, how did you get in here? When really
1: you don't deserve
0: to you don't be deserve there. it. When really the question is, Brandon has created his own world. Like George, very much like he reminds me a lot of George Lucas, because George Lucas was like, I'm just gonna fuck off and I'm gonna do whatever I want. He created his own little media empire in San Francisco. That's what kind of what Brandon is doing, but he's doing it with books and they feel very, <laughs> he's doing it in salt lake city In salt lake city and they feel they feel similar although they're clearly very different but they feel similar in both george and brandon what they have in common is a deep respect for the independent artist and a concern for how businesses corporations treat artists and that never comes up in this article I, that whenever they write yeah. the legacy of Brandon Sanderson, the top thing in his obituary will be his legacy regarding art and artists. It may not be his sentences, it won't be. It may not be this, that or the other thing. It will be the legacy that, that his impact on the future of publishing and artists. I know it will because he is he's is, he is spending his his literal money and his cultural capital on this. And he doesn't have to. He could sit there in his home theater, which this article references, and watch movies and eat popcorn and never worry about it. And just sit there and collect money. And but he but he is weighted into the and you have to respect that. You have to pre I I'm an independent artist and he is make he has raised the profile of independent authors. He has legitimized them in a way that few other people have, just in the last six months.
1: Yeah, I mean his Kickstarter put like for, for myself, I don't know him at all. I've never heard of him before our podcast. Um, I don't know anything about his books. I've never read him. Like, he's a complete non-entity to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But oh, since you and I have been talking about him, I've learned more about him. I There's no reason to write a hit piece about him. Like, just... there's there's no reason
0: that i mean he's become a huge target because of his success you kind of i suppose looking back you kind of feel like something like this is coming but not this mean-spirited right and it really is mean-spirited i
1: mean this article is just really
0: i want to give another significant example of this because he attends the dragon steel convention this is how big Sanderson is. Sanderson has his own personal convention. <laughs> and this is how outdated, boring, and I think lazy this article is. I, i, I you know, I, I was only half kidding earlier when I said that this came out of a chatbot. Um, so about halfway through the article, he goes to Dragon and cry, and then now he's talking to and now about the fans. So at, of the convention, he says, quote, As is typically the case I... of these things, there's a general air, warmish body odored of unself consciousness. This is Big Bang Theory circa 2001 reductiveness that yep. I'll just say as someone who attends comic book conventions a lot is patently untrue. And I want to say something real quick Sugu about unself-consciousness. One thing I've discovered late in life is that I am on the spectrum and one thing I've realized late in life that I encounter a lot of people on the spectrum at these types of gatherings. And it's literally unself-conscious okay. because they don't know. I'm guessing. That that's I shouldn't say that. I'm guessing they don't know. Um, it feels like it to me. They feel like me at one point in life, I'll say that. Brandon Sanderson. Okay. Through the very poor writing that this writer does. What this writer unearths and things like the fact that he doesn't ugh, the scandal I'm going to I'm going to leave that separate. That's a separate thing. Um I, let me just Which say one? the the fact that he doesn't feel pain. But Oh, okay. Okay there there's a there's a big bang theory reductiveness to fans and neurodivergence, which is reflected in this one sentence. I'll just say that. and if if that wasn't the intent of the writer, i'm I'm questioning their intent writ large. The women, fewer in yeah. number, tend to be better cosplayers. Uh, translation, women know how to sew. Yeah, twenty first century. keep it going, Jason. Um and then yep. we keep on we keep on going, and then he's stunned that people come and
1: don't forget he talks about sprightly makeups mm-hmm. with with the women. The women are better at cosplayers because of the the sprightly makeup
0: oh, the makeup I forgot about the makeup um <laughs> it's just it's just amazing and then so he's asking fans why Sanderson and I want to tell you something about this. Here's what you don't do. When when you're when you're I think sort of a person who is in like let's say if I went to a Star Wars convention of which I've been to a few and I just asked everybody I ran into why does Star Wars suck what do you think is going to happen <laughs> right so I'm either going to get people that are like I'm I I I'm I need to be at a panel or they're going to not talk to me or they're just going to outright reject me these. All these people that he references in this section, the fans—they're not really talking to this guy because he's giving off massive wrong vibes. Okay, like you know what they—you know what? I mean, come on—he's a narc, and every one of these kids is like—they're literally. This guy walks up to him, and and they're like, they're just like he's a narc, not talking to this guy.
1: (laughs) I mean, look at that one sentence uh, when he's talking about the fans. Yeah. He he just spent $170 on a rubber sword. It's bigger than he is. He won't be able to take it on the plane home. It's going to That it. is dripping with derision. Der-
0: he's going to ship it. He's going to ship it because duh. we live in 2023. It is like, duh. <laughs> this just reflects his and ignorance. Then
1: all of the swords have names,
0: right? They all have names. So do all the ones I mean, in Tolkien. It's true.
1: I would name my swords, but. Hey, I'm also not at the at the convention.
0: Abby carries around a sword in uh, the Eververse books. I had to resist every impulse in me to give that sort of name. Um, so he's asking everybody why Sanderson, and they give they give answers that you expect, and he's acting like whatever. And then he says something here that reflects his own, like I, I mentioned earlier, his lack of literary thing. So, so the second answer to the question he's asking, why Sanderson? The second answer is the same as the first, is the inverse of the first. You can't have world building without character building. This is not true. And then he's referring to, the, the, to Sanderson's actual work. Some characters die, some become gods. This is true. The good ones, and most of them are good, are very good, inspiringly good. Some of Sanderson's characters, particularly in the Stormlight Archive, are really bad people. They're, they're work criminals. <laughs> no one has sex. This isn't true. There's a lot of fade to black. They only save lives. This is patently false. They they legit straight up murder people. And that happens in the prologue to the first book. So you didn't even read the books. What you did? I mean, you... we already knew that though because we did.
1: He, he he even said something like he had just found out about Brandon Sanderson and then came off to find it, to write this article. Where would we, he have like even
0: had time to read the books. Right. Especially you're you know, <laughs> it's, it's, you don't expect someone to be an expert because you're a reporter. You're going to find out. So I don't expect you to be an expert. I would assume that you would have yeah. a better working understanding than simply pulling people as they walk by in a convention who's, aim in life is not to stop and talk to this narc um that uh that that's kind of he keeps it up he keeps surely
1: he's not a great writer like he keeps asking questions like that
0: oh he keeps asking like he's trying to get down to something deep and like i i think the the fans general reaction is probably very astute which is they really like the stories, they really like the characters, and they really like the world. Clearly, they do. Clearly, they do. That Man. that should what what is hard, and that's if you're familiar with nerd culture at all. That's every insert any franchise here. That's Star Wars. I mean. That's Lord of the Rings. Can Marvel. you
1: imagine? Can you imagine? Like, ask me about any franchise that you know I like. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, ask me.
0: Marvel
1: what what oh well I like the company name Marvel but I don't really like the characters or the story <laughs> like that makes no sense of course fans like the, the story the characters. like of course that's not a deep question
0: I the Here's another thing that this is towards the end of the article that really brought me back to college and thinking about all of this stuff that I was struck by. This was really interesting, which goes unexplored. Brandon Sanderson is part of a writer's group that formed in college. He does a podcast with one of these people, Dan, whose last name I forget. That is essentially what you and I do. It's just the two of them talking. They're friends from college. They're writers. But Towards the end of the article, he says, the writer's group that Brandon is part of, Brandon, the multimedia empire, meets every Friday. They still meet. They still critique each other's work 20 years on. This blew me away. If I was sitting across from Brandon Sanderson and I found out that much less set in on it, which this guy did, I would have been stunned and I would have had a million questions about Brandon Sanderson... You're the most successful person in publishing right now. Why do you feel the need to continue to get feedback on your work from people who are far less successful? The answer is obvious, and this guy doesn't. This guy doesn't even answer the question. He dunks on what they're doing. There, there are chips and sodas. Someone's the baked an apple. The most
1: PG gathering of writer types I've ever been to.
0: Yeah, so that tells me again. I mean,
1: that that's just dripping
0: with sarcasm. Sarcasm and condescension tells me again that Jason is a wannabe yep. writer. And then uh-huh. they're talking about what they're, they're talking about. What is the character's motivation? Can the reader follow the fight sequence? Sanderson gives feedback, so he's taking feedback, he's giving feedback, and then afterward, "quote unquote," the real talk happens, such as Star Wars debates. This is. It was fascinating to me because I am I am part of writer's groups. We were part of a writer's group in college. Those things disintegrate over time for hosts of reasons. And it's very difficult as a working writer in publishing to maintain equilibrium within a group, especially as people start to have their career paths take them on everything. And people have different levels of success. I won't bore people with it. Sure. It's very difficult. Brandon Sanderson's success, certainly among his peers and his writing group, is unrivaled. It's unrivaled in the industry with the exception of about five or six people. Um, That, to me, is extraordinary to me personally, that he's still involved in these and that he takes time out of his week, which Brandon Sanderson, clearly from this article, clearly from his statements, is simply always he's always doing something um
1: it's even written in in this article that his schedule is organized down to the minute
0: yeah i get told i'll be completely blunt i get told all the time that people don't have time for me so when brandon sanderson is making time for his friends and his peers um that 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 to me is extraordinary. That is interesting. That's worthy of investigation. It's not worthy of a drive-by dunk about whatever you know. This sort of glibness, like this, this, all this article is. If I was the editor and I was reading this, I'd be like, "You didn't. You got a lot of interesting stuff in here, and you didn't ask about. You didn't investigate any of it. You had this fixation on sentences and food and weight." Um. There's sort of, uh, he talks, then the worst thing, I don't even actually want to spend time on this. He talks about how he cried when they were watching The Greatest yeah. Showman. This is just fucking boring. This is like, this is inserting yourself Not into the narrative. Not boring, but
1: it doesn't even feel sincere. It's in, I don't it's think fake. that that actually happened. I think that that's just a, a thing
0: in the dude's mind.
1: It, it doesn't feel sincere. It feels like a ploy.
0: It feels like a ploy. It feels like he's inserting himself in the narrative. This is giving me really strong vibes of um, uh, Pale Fire, which uh, we discussed in the Philosophy 2 episode where Abigail was talking about Pale Fire in relation to inserting yourself between the narrator and the story. That feels like that. Like, that feels like that, and I know that because I know Pale Fire. I know what someone's trying to do, and this is what he's trying to do. But he's not doing it because we don't have that if you want to see a fantastic example of the author inserting themselves in between a story and the reader and even the narrator carmen maria machado did a story and i forget i'm blanking on the name of it i'll find it and i'll link to it she did a story in the last couple of years which is just absolutely derails in the middle of it very reminiscent of pale fire and it's a great example of but you're like what the fuck is happening as the reader this is, this, you do, in the course of this, you do go like, what the fuck is happening? But for different reasons. Um, so he cries. Uh, evidently the shower in the in the guest suite is is amazing. Um, that's cool. He dunks on Mormonism again at the end of this. The science fiction edition of Christianity is what he's heard it called. Again, no attribution. And then he's heard it, and then he finally gets to, I think, what he imagines is the thing, which is that Sanderson finally gives him a quote. He finally delivers something. And Britt Sanderson says, quote, As I build books, God builds people. I'm going to imagine that this is completely out of context. I'm going to guess. But we don't know because we, we drive by it like we do everything else in here. Um, yeah, and
1: also like – I, I, I I don't understand the truth of that sentence, to be honest. And I think that, you know, from an atheist, I, I just don't get it.
0: I might have asked, as a journalist, what exactly do you mean, Brandon? Right? <laughs> like, can you help from my edification? What, yeah. what, what do you mean by that? We don't know. We don't know. Um, and then we kind of, there's a little bit more, there's some more sophomoric stuff. This might be a good bit here to kind of bring up that Brandon Sanderson did respond um, to the article after the fallout, he responded and he he has his own Reddit. Uh, it's r slash Brandon Sanderson. I won't I w- I won't read all of this because this is lengthy in itself. But I just want to sum up basically his, his thoughts where he appreciates all the support. Um, and he doesn't want people to go after the writer Jason. He wants them to he specifically he says to leave him alone. Um that's very that's very taking the high road um Mm -hmm. that's you know and then he, he but here's the critical thing so Brandon says I'm quote I'm worried about the way he treats our entire community I understand that he didn't just talk to me but didn't talk about me but about you as was happening to fantasy fans for years the general attitude of anyone writing about us is that we should be ashamed for enjoying what we enjoy and that the tone feels like it was written during the 80s unquote which is what you and I have been saying for around about an hour yeah um that that is I it, mean those movies Revenge of the Nerds yes. right
1: like that was made during that time
0: it it's boring it's recidivist it's it's ignorant it it feels it feels like i uh, i don't know how old this writer is uh he feels like a young writer who probably because they haven't read thought, I've had an original idea. I'm going to do a drive-by on Brandon Sanderson and all you dumb nerds, all you weirdo Mormons, and it's going to be cool and hip and original. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Because not he's i 14 and this is deep. <laughs> this is deep. This is... Motherfuckers, you have no idea. Like, this, you know... <laughs> like, and then... But then, as he's discovered, certainly in the last 24 hours, he didn't just take a shot of Brandon Sanderson... He took a shot at fandom, which if YouTube, Twitter, social media at large will tell you, the one thing you never do in life is come at fandom because fandom can and has destroyed careers and lives. Okay. Like if you don't like something that they like, God help you. Okay. So. I haven't watched them. I watched a little bit of Daniel Green. But one one thing Brandon Sanderson is very well known for is he's deeply engaged with the fan base and the community. Even with people who, like Daniel Green, who's like, I I don't always enjoy you. I'm I'm not hip to some of the Mormon stuff. But Daniel Green did a whole live stream yesterday where he went through this article bit by bit and absolutely fucking destroyed it. Basically what we're doing now, but far more detailed. But he was equally offended... Because of this, Daniel Green is someone who pretty large within the sort of fantasy fandom, Murphy, Napier, Elliot Brooks. These are all people that have come after or responded, I should say, to this article. This whole experience, I feel like is it is a reflection poorly of Wired, this writer, and very outdated, childish notions yep. of fandom and, and frankly, literature regardless of Sanderson's literary merit, it's also a, a reflection and an illumination of the state of current fandom, which is not simply reactive and not just simply, oh, this is cool, where can I buy the t-shirt? But it's informed, erudite, considered, and most importantly, mobilized. Within 24 hours the orbit of Brandon Sanderson in reaction videos and what you and I are doing right now is generated far more clicks, shares, whatever you want to call it, than this article can and ever will. And they have turned Wired from a what I assume was sort of a leading culture. I, I, I don't read Wired all the time. I, I've read it. it they, they have a lot of fascinating articles. This writer writes other other articles, um, has turned them from a, a within the, perceived within the f- fandom, as all that, you know, they do tech stuff, they do science stuff, they do pop culture stuff, they're cool, to a pariah. Yeah. Overnight. Overnight. Because yeah. what, what Wired is going to want to do now, is they're going to want to follow up, they're going to want to do stories about the story, they're going to want to do deep dives into fandom, and the fandom is going to be like, where would you say you were from? Uh, no, thank you. You know, and now they're going to be the subject of a million. Don't, t-
1: don't forget that this writer at Wired is the senior editor. Oh, he is he? He isn't just some flunky who just came in off the street. He isn't some rando that submitted a piece, like, for Wired, and that Wired published it. It's not an editorial well, it, it is. Sorry, it, it's an editorial. Oh my god! But it's from the senior editor of the Wired staff. At least, according to the LinkedIn profile, according to his bio, he is the senior editor at Wired.
0: Well, that's even worse. And if
1: Wired was smart, he was the
0: senior <laughs> editor. <laughs> that's even worse. I didn't. I didn't realize that. But his uh, bibliography here is uh, not too different from a lot of just basic stuff. The first and last time we ranked the Star Wars movies, no one else has ever done that. Um, okay. That's even worse. I, I, I think if you get to a position of senior editor at a, at a journal like Wired, which is one of the leaders and in journalism as far as the subjects they cover you would have to have some consideration that you know this article reads like it didn't have an editor i'm guessing that's actually true because he he was his own editor so
1: yeah because he's a senior editor
0: that's that's even worse that's even worse see i was sort of imagining the back of my head there's some editor i'm like my god they let jason down no they didn't (laughs) because there was no one nope It's just
1: so okay. Yeah. Do you mind if we leave uh Jason Kihi alone for a quick second cuz I want to talk about Michael Freiberg or Freiberg real
0: quick. Oh, of course.
1: Michael Freiberg is the photographer. Yeah. For this. Yes. So he has he starts off with this picture of Brandon Sanderson holding the sword. Okay. And honestly, I really don't wanna say this, but the reality is Brandon Sanderson's gut is eye drawing. That's what your eye sees, even though it's encased in a black
0: t shirt. That's is, pretty shitty. This is a But then just it's a bad photo. I'll just repeat that.
1: Yeah. Then the next photo is uh stacks of his books on a table. Yeah. okay they're the books look they're hardcover they look i don't know i would say actually they they look pretty cool but they look like more like tomes than hardcover books
0: i believe and you I, know?
1: which is fine
0: i don't know i believe these are the hard the leather bound heart kickstarter editions of his stormlight books i think okay okay
1: Oh, yeah, because it says on here, they're leather-bound special editions through his company. Okay. All right. And and honestly, I would say that that's a fair picture. The picture itself, compositionally, is not great. It's not great. Because, again, you've got this really wide variety of colors in there where the top two books are a bit washed out. It's... The book underneath it is very dark.
0: It's off balance. It's blown out in in horrible 90s Polaroid flash for no reason. It looks cheap because the editorial mandate on this article and this hit piece was cheapness. Let's make him look, for Sanderson, as cheap as possible. So they took these books. These books, I believe, cost $75 a pop, I think.
1: Yeah.
0: Let's make them look cheap. They're
1: not cheap. They look expensive. Yeah. But the photographer then decided to make them look cheap. Yep. Okay. And then the next one is piles of Magic the Gathering cards strewn throughout the house. That is the caption. A proud nerd Sanderson has piles of Magic the Gathering cards. What difference... Does Magic the Gathering cards have on this entire article? Zero. Is there any reference in the article to the fact that Sanderson plays Magic the Gathering? Any reference? No. This picture is there to highlight nerddom and how weird it is. Yep. And then finally, I think there's one more. And then finally, the next picture is the centerpiece of Sanderson's underground supervillain lair. Oh, that's clearly something a nerd would have. Something with dolphins and uh, a mermaid and blimps. Or I think that is would be a zeppelin instead of a, a blimp. And some other fancy creatures and a clock. Oh, that's clearly nerd
0: stuff. It's miss again. This is a bad photo, which is blown out in the in the flash. Man. Um, it I don't know what it's just I'm just
1: insulting photos.
0: It's insulting, and I don't know exactly what I'm looking at because I don't know what it is in context of other things. I believe that's a balcony behind it, or a stairwell. I don't I don't know. You're like, what does it matter, Darby? Okay, it doesn't matter. I don't. But they've decided to make this part of their real estate here. And I, I don't know what this is supposed to be telling me. It's, you know, like, he mentioned this never comes up in the thing. He mentions a couple things in the article I wouldn't have minded, uh, I would have liked to have seen. The theater, for one, right? That yeah. sounds pretty dope. Um, you know, this shower head, which event, uh, apparently was orgasmic. I wouldn't have mind seeing that. If you're going to be glib, be glib. Um, yeah. Oh, there's one last one, Sugu. There's one last. Um, picture of his. Oh, uh, the looks manuscript like top secret. Yeah. Um, I actually like yeah. this photo just because this reminds me of sort of 15 uh, year old me, where I thought every everything was so fucking cool and important, and you know, and I, was, I didn't want anybody to see my stuff because one they didn't understand it and two I was embarrassed. But like, I like that Brandon is still enough of a nerd to write top secret on his shit. That's so fun. Right, like you know what? I <laughs> oh, go ahead, go ahead, it's, the it's, and then I'll ta- It's just funny because as a person who is writing top secret shit, um, I disrespect it. I respect game respects game. <laughs> That's all I gotta say about it.
1: Fair enough. For me, I don't like this picture compositionally because the fact that he wrote the the fact that he wrote top secret. No, sorry, the fact that Michael Freiberg photographed this like that with top secret emblazoned in the center of the picture among piles of paper Mm. as you said it reminds you of what you did when you were (laughs) younger yeah that's what this picture is trying to convey yes oh look at this immature nerd boy he he's still a child he's still writing top secret on his stuff and he has a super villain lair and he plays magic the gathering right He's just immature boy. Why can't he grow up and, and move to San Francisco <laughs> right. or Michael Freiberg is from Los Angeles. So maybe he's right. like, why can't he move to LA?
0: Right? No, it's you're right. It's what, it's what every uh, middle-aged nerd gets asked. Like, you know, like Darby, like, why don't you grow up and just move to San Francisco? I get it. Um, yeah, I hear you. Um,
1: Like, I appreciate that you like it. Yeah. And I I appreciate that it it hits you exactly in the spot, in my opinion, where it's supposed to hit. But just like Big Bang Theory, that is taking nerddom and making it the punchline. As a normal, quote, normal person, you're supposed to look at that and go, oh, what a nerd. Yeah. What a weirdo.
0: You're right. It's illustrative of this whole thing, which is this sort of, arrested development, I guess, of the whole thing and, and I you know, if there is a point or a thesis to this whole article, it's, it's how does someone who's a developmentally arrested become this multimillionaire head of a media empire? Which isn't really even the question he asked. The question he asked is why is Brandon Sanderson not a good writer? Um so I mean it's incoherent, I'll just say that again. Um mm-hmm. but I it's it's Maybe to kind of summarize, wrap up, I, I just I, as some, I'm not a fan of Sanderson's writing. I think I probably have an enormous amount in common with him. It feels like after reading this article, I do feel I got a sense of Sanderson from this article. It's not one that the writer was interested in or cared to investigate. But I started to get a sense of him. I got a sense of a person, and then what I knew about him outside of this article. I put those two things together. I think Brandon Sanderson's an interesting guy. I would probably get along. I know we would get along because we're two fucking nerds, and I'm proud to be a nerd. I'm a nerd if there ever was one, right? And that's not a that's not a slur. It's right. It's like it. You know, to me, it's like and like some other words like queer. It's not a word that some of you guys can use. Okay, I'll say that. Clearly, when you have people writing articles like this, right, and you're using it as a slur, right, that's not a word that you can use. We can use it. You can't use it. That's how I feel like after reading this because this is so backwards. This is so reductive. This is so regressive. This is so lazy. That's my biggest takeaway from all of this is this is lazy. Right? And I, the one thing that matters to me more than anything is the writing is the work to the point where I have, I have friends and peers who are like, but you're never going to sell anything. You can't just be concerned about the work. You have to consider your audience. I am my audience. I write books for me. You know who else those books are for? Those are for the people like me. There's a lot of people like me. I know there is i know there is brandon sanderson knows that he's writing books for himself that nerd brain that other people clearly millions of people enjoy and people clearly don't understand and they'll never understand not because they they don't just don't like it it doesn't appeal to them and that's fine that's fair It, it doesn't appeal to you but because they have this um notion going into it um this derision that is very familiar to me I've gotten my entire life. Like I said, I got it before college. I got it in college. I've gotten it ever after. And this is just the intersection, I feel like, of all these things that I feel very familiar to me. The, the condescension regarding the writing, right? Um, the fat shaming and the nerd shaming. All of that is in here. I feel, I, I felt it, like I said, my entire life um i just find it i i thought we were past it i know people you still deal. i i still deal with it people are like i mentioned earlier with the the fat shaming thing people are always like you get this weird hostility about your perceived success because you're fat so therefore you can't do x y or z or as a writer
1: you don't deserve x y and Z. yeah
0: you're a writer oh you're self-published you can't be any good I, my reviews i'm gonna say judging from this guy's perspective at least are better than brandon sanderson's you know i it, but brandon you know who doesn't care about reviews <laughs> Brandon sanderson doesn't give a fuck about your yeah. reviews um then and the nerddom just the nerd thing like well you know this, this stuff is so boring why don't you grow up um I don't know, it's kinda of grown up to uh make money. I you know, I, I'm I'm a nerd and I'm a I'm a journalist, I'm a cultural critic, and I make money off of it. I have for a very long time. That's being a you grown know, up can up.
1: I just say real quickly, like he the the author starts it basically betraying his own hand. Yeah. Sanderson makes ten million a year or something like that. Yeah. But it's extraordinary, by the way, he doesn't deserve to have all that. He's a nerd. He is Um, he's Mormon. Mormons and nerds and overweight people, they don't deserve 10 million a year. Like that's the dripping condescension that yep. this article is just full of.
0: Yep, and it and it's bound up in this literary frustration. It's not that Brandon Sanderson makes ten million dollars a year or in the last year he made fifty five, which wow. But it's I don't I, even want to see his taxes. <laughs> right. It's it's this, this this journalist, this writer, this senior editor is like, I'm a good writer. I'm a writer. I'm not making $10 million. How on earth does Brandon Sanderson do it? He's not a good writer. He's a Mormon. He's overweight. He's a nerd. So why is he successful? Right? Which is what I got in college when I wasn't a good writer. Why are you a good writer? But here's the thing.
1: He's not asking that question. He's not asking because he wants to know. He actually literally has an edge that he wants to prove. Yep. That Brandon Sanderson does not deserve all of his praise. Yep, and it's like, not. He's not asking the question. He is starting with the assumption he doesn't deserve it.
0: And you, he betrays that in the very first paragraph by asking questions. He then never pursues the answers to.
1: Exactly.
0: On the day of his record-breaking Kickstarter campaign, forty-two million of that fifty-five million here earned last year, I, the writer, came to the Wired offices ready to gossip. Interesting choice of word. How'd he do it? He never once addresses or answers this question in the article. Why now? He never once addresses or answers this question in the article. Is Brandon Sanderson even a good writer? This is the only one that he addresses in the article. And he already knows the answer. He's already decided.
1: That's exactly the point. He's not asking the question. Right. He already has the answer built in.
0: He has the answer. He has Which a thesis. Is, and Brandon Sanderson
1: isn't even a good writer. So why is he? Yep. How dare he make forty-two million?
0: And then he launches immediately into why weirdo Mormon ill-fitting jacket, yep. Body odor nerds, yep. So clearly, we don't like this article. <laughs> like a lot of people in fandom. Sugu and I are nerds we that's one reason why we're such good friends is because we bonded over our nerddom. We had a lightsaber fight in the yard at Trinity College, which I feel very confident in saying was probably the first and only <laughs> <laughs> yeah we walked over to uh Smith's and uh bought lightsabers uh for ninety nine p I think it was um Something like that. Something like that. They were cheap ones. They were cheap. And um uh fought with them in the yard. Yeah. So this stuff is offensive.
1: And then we did it again when you came to visit me in California. Yes,
0: we did. We did. And I <laughs> I still have a bunch of lightsabers in the closet somewhere. I don't spar unfortunately, anymore. But like I've got I've got I've got lightsabers. These guys got swords. I got lightsabers. Um It's, it's just defense and it's old and it's tired. I thought, I thought it was behind, you know, um, it's, I think it, 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 it got me in a lot of places. It got me just on, it's bad journalism, the, the personal stuff. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a Brandon Sanderson fan. So I wasn't launched. I wasn't mobilized the way a lot of people were yesterday. And like, I'm going to defend my guy, which I totally get and respect because this was awful but I was I was activated in the sense of like oh wow it was like a slap in the face reading this because it, it was just brought me back yeah. to that shit that like I said I've dealt with in one way or another really my entire life but really college this felt like very collegey this felt like this guy is in college I'm going to guess he's not and it felt like this is something that someone would like drop on somebody in college and be like like they'd be all like smart about it they'd be they'd be all like you know see what I did there you know kind of a thing like And I, you know, they're like the person who Mm -hmm. explains, you know, like they're explaining the explanation to you and it's like, this isn't clever. This isn't cool. You know, this is really petty. This is really silly. I think it reflects poorly on Wired. I think, um, I, I'm, I'm going to guess now that I didn't realize the senior editor thing. I'm going to guess one reason there hasn't been a response yet is because he's the senior editor and I, you know, um, I'm sure their traffic is high. They probably got an enormous amount of clicks from this. So they're probably satisfied with that. But if there's an editorial conscience, they should probably at some point here very soon release a statement just saying, they didn't intend any of this, right? That wasn't the intent. And even if they stand by the article, and if they stand by it, they stand by it. But they should be like, hey, this this is not what we're into because you know, Cause this is this is you know this is a lot of people who are you know th- this could get ugly if they're gonna you know on Twitter like they're dragging Wired you know like you know they're they're like it's you know I mean Wired the only
1: for- thing that that Wired is gonna be affected by is if those fans who I don't know what the uh, Venn diagram is of fans of Brander Sanderson and subscribers to Wired magazine oh sure I don't know what that. diagram is going to be but i can tell you as a nerd i've read wired uh a lot of wired actually over the years because they tech stuff uh science stuff you know basically like a tech a more tech minded version of rolling stone is what i used to think about them as
0: yeah, and like I said, I think I said at the outset, this feels like a wants to be a Rolling Stone kind of article where you're sort of hanging out with the musician and you're trying to dig at what makes them tick. And some of those are really good. There's a lot of good journalism that comes out of stories like that. This is trash. This is trash.
1: Yeah, because it's not trying to find out what makes Brandon Sanderson tick. It's already yep. knows the answer. Yep. Incorrectly, but it already knows the answer. Absolutely. So I guess... For me, my final thought on this whole thing is uh do you know how many books get published every let's say every month?
0: Every month, no. Um uh I, the last figure I heard that sounded uh right was uh 30,000 a year.
1: 30,000 new books published every year. Yep okay so that's more than say one a day
0: yep yeah (laughs) it is uh broken down into the houses i won't break down math but the houses generally send out um they do it by they release things by quarter so spring summer fall winter and they generally release every quarter this is the big five they generally somewhere between 500 and 1000 books every quarter so let's, let's let's just say that's okay. 4,000 books a house times five houses. That's 20,000 books right there. That doesn't include any of the small presses and, of course, publisher. and independent publishers. Yeah.
1: Okay. So there that also means that there's a lot of authors out there. Mm-hmm. Branderson, Brandon Sanderson is one of those many authors out there.
0: He he's someone with enormous influence. Is the other thing, as that Wired is finding out today. Well, sure. And
1: yeah, and I am not discounting his influence yeah. at all. My point is yeah. that why write a hit piece on just one dude? Like, if you don't know anything about one author, leave it alone. Go do your research on someone else. There's thirty thousand of other books to find out
0: about. I, I I'll say my, my final thought is I, 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 I kind of talked about this at some point in the pod, but I feel like this is an inflection point in terms of media in the sense, but like I said, Brandon Sanderson is deeply engaged in Booktube and, and social media and, th- and he's got his own Reddit community, things like that. And these people are, are, are mobilized. He also has his own YouTube show slash podcast. He's probably thinking right now that it doesn't serve him ever again to be the subject of one of these pieces because these these the, if someone if wired covered me i'd be over the moon because it'd be this like right it'd be like this influx of, of awareness that I, I never had on a scale i've never had before brandon sanderson does not need wires wired's subscriber base he doesn't need the new york times he doesn't need the paris review he doesn't need anybody he has almost i believe i could be wrong i think he has somewhere around half a million subscribers to his youtube channel he has his own personal convention which is attracting 5000 plus he has an army of booktubers at his disposal i don't think he needs to engage tr- traditional media the same way that he doesn't need to engage traditional publishing i think that is the i i'm i'm, I'm sort of throwing this out here but I think that for a lot of people, that's the, that's the big shift here. And I, if, if you're an author, if you're an independent author, you're scraping, you're clawing, you're trying to get on anybody's radar. When you're the size that he is, you don't need to do that. He probably won't. And that's probably that, – there, there will be lessons in that from people, for other people, other authors and media. Yeah,
1: yeah and I, I forgot. I did want to bring up this other point. Yeah. Can we talk about pain real quickly?
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I
1: mean, the journalistic idiocy in that paragraph, the lack of integrity, yeah. the insults, the
0: condescension. Like, oh. oh, my God. So he he references, he doesn't quote Brandon as saying he did, it's not something he wants to talk about. He then proceeds, the writer. He then proceeds to talk about it. This is so, clearly something that Brandon isn't comfortable with. And I, I, I'm I, not a doctor, so I won't diagnose things. There's a lot in here that there's a lot of sort of uh, casual uh, sort of uh, drive-bys on neurodivergence. I think this is one and the pain thing. Oh, how weird that you don't feel pain. You know, like that, and then then he mentions somewhere after that that you know Brandon's up all night, and the only thing that quiets the voices in the head is a heavy uh, sleeping pill. These are things that feel very familiar to me. I feel I feel pain, but like, (laughs) but um, this Brandon's patterns of behavior feel familiar, and it's insensitive. like the fat shaming. It's ill considered. If he doesn't want to talk about it, he doesn't want to talk about it, right? The wife mentions uh-huh. it. The wife mentions it in passing, and then it becomes like this, like fixation, you know, like oh my god, like oh you don't feel pain. It's like you know whatever, and then he, you know, he's just like, um, it, it. I don't. Wait, the wife does. The wife mentioned. I, it? I believe it's his wife or the assistant.
1: Because in the paragraph it says. Dragonsteel's new, quote, head of narrative. Let's slip that. Sanderson feels no pain. So... Oh, it's the sister-in-law. The way that is written... Yeah. Okay. So the the way that's written is just kind of strange. Like, head of narrative in quotes. But then the sister-in-law just confirms it, right?
0: Yep, you're right.
1: But then we also have he sits for eight hours a day on a couch that's why he's overweight type thing it's like the unsaid thing the fat shaming there but he has no back aches and he God has hot sauces like why are we talking about hot sauce it's and then at the dentist he refuses novocaine does he really refuse it or does he just say like i don't need it
0: that would be like this guy writing an article about me and then asking me about my, when I go to the dentist. I and I've had, you know, like in the past when I've had feelings, it takes an enormous amount of novocaine for me to to get. To I think what most people are good with the shot. It almost always takes me two shots of okay. the novocaine. What does that have to do with anything? It it just it right? just it just means it takes a lot. And my pain tolerance personally is very high it's not Brandon Sanderson levels because right now my knees are killing me. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but like this is, what that, does it have to, to do with me things? to
1: come to the,
0: uh, sorry. No, what does You're it happy? have to do with anything? It's just so fucking bizarre.
1: And then for me, the crux of all of this is I ask Sanderson himself to confirm He asks if I really have to print it and the writer goes, I'm sorry, I really do. Do you, is it so necessary to the rest of this article where the, remember the foundational question is, is Brandon Sanderson even a good writer, right? What the hell does, does not feel pain have to do with that. And this that is compels the author to write that. This
0: is another lesson for Brandon, frankly, when it comes he's I don't think he's particularly experienced with journalists, certainly of this stripe. And when you get to be Brandon's level, one thing you do get to do is you get to dictate. You get to tell them what you are and aren't going to talk about, period. Or they don't get a story. Yeah, they certainly don't get a free shower in the greatest shower of all time. Brandon, yeah, Brandon, because I think Brandon's I think just a regular guy who's like, well, he's a nice guy. I'm sure he'll do me right. No, so I think this is a lesson for Brandon is uh, in the future, um, the conversation is going to go like, I don't want to talk about this, and you're not going to print it, or we're done. Right. Yeah. So lesson learned, I guess. But I mean, the dude
1: stayed with Brandon Sanderson for five days. Yeah
0: and this is his gratitude. It's like, holy yeah. crap. Right. And on one hand, this guy owed Brandon nothing, right? This not a quid pro quo, right? Like, oh, I, you know, I got an orgasmic shower, therefore I must write a puff piece. And and Brandon shouldn't expect that, and nor should we. But this goes beyond. It would have been fair for him to say, Brandon's not, a, in my in the writer's opinion, Brandon's not a good writer, but clearly... There's interesting things going on that. And I I want to give you guys an insight into this person who's become this huge cultural figure in the last six months and really the last 20 years. But for as far as most people are concerned, the last six months or so since the Kickstarter, that would have been fair. He's like, I don't think he's a good writer. He hasn't won any major awards. So what's the deal? Why is he successful? And then there are answers to those questions, right? But sure. you don't you don't ask the questions, you don't make them you, what you do, you're like he's fat, he's a fucking weirdo, he he's a, he's neurologically weird, he doesn't feel pain, blah blah it's this fucking it. fuck off. Fuck off.
1: Yeah. Now don't get me wrong, I don't mean to say like because he stayed with him for five days mm-hmm. he needs to write a puff piece, right. but like there – I don't mean gratitude like you have to worship him, but gratitude is in like he did open up his personal house to you. You have an obligation person to person to treat him with a modicum of respect.
0: It's a question not in here. It's a question it's a journalistic question. This pisses me off as someone. I could be writing for Wired because evidently anybody can. It's a question, Brandon, do you think the fact that your lack of pain has any contributes anything to your writing? Brandon's like, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. That's it, but that's the question. It's not he doesn't feel pain. What? Brandon, is that true, girlfriend? I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to print it anyway. This is TMZ it's more of like this is TMZ. This isn't yeah. journalism.
1: It it also has this air, and maybe I'm reading into it, but it has this air of, like, oh, look at this nerd who thinks he's a badass who can feel all sorts of pain.
0: Sure. Sure, he, car- he carries, the pitcher, carries around his sword, he doesn't feel pain. He's like, come on! <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. He walks around the convention, but he's like, like, I'll like, fight anybody. Yeah, right? But I don't think that's the
1: case. Like...
0: It's absolutely not the case.
1: I don't know. It just feels so damn disrespectful.
0: Now I know at least the one thing that the pain tells the pain thing. All it tells me is now I know why Brandon can sign thousands of books in a day. Now I know. Yeah. Fair enough. Even the idea makes my hand hurt, but he's like, I'm after eight hours. He's probably like, whatever. (laughs) He's like, bring them on, (laughs) you know? So I get it now, but he does. This guy doesn't even ask this. Um, It's it's yeah. Basically, I guess to kind of sum, or I guess actually, anything else that you want to hit on before we get out of here. No, I think, I think now we've
1: kind of covered all the major things. Because I I don't even his whole thing about him crying feels like no. I'm human
0: too. I'm like
1: nah, piss off. It it I don't care.
0: it's really disingenuous and i just want to say real quick because i don't think i quite talked about it earlier and i know we're going on but the thing I, I actually we record these they come out and then i'll listen to the playback just to make you know make sure that it came out okay and i'll listen to it and be like oh god i didn't even talk about what i wanted to talk about real quick because we're way over anyway the the the, the mormon thing <laughs> the the religious thing really does bug me because i think it's just it's one of those things that sort of goes without saying. Like I said at the outset, I, I think I said, I, I'm Catholic. It's clear reading my books that you can tell I'm Catholic, right? I know that. The readers know that. Kit Baldwin is an Irish Catholic. Maraid in A Country of Eternal Light is an Irish Catholic. You're all stunned. You shouldn't be stunned that his books, Sanderson's books, even though they take place in secondary worlds, reflect his worldview. That's not even, that's like, that's just assumed. And the questions that you could right. ask about that, Darby, how does your Catholicism contrast with the world that you're depicting in these books? Pick a book, is a question you could ask of him. It didn't even occur to this guy. And I, I'll, that'll be my yeah. last
1: thought. <laughs> yeah, he just makes a, a broad characterization of Mormonism. And he asked Sanderson, like, <laughs> if that's the correct premise about Mormonism. Like, Sanderson is qualified to speak on the entire religion. But, okay.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a, are Do you care? Like, do you know anything about Mormonism? I don't know enough about it for me to, to walk into someone's house and be like, Hey, justify your faith. Come on, dude. Yeah. Oh, man. So, Uh, this sucked.
1: Speaking of Mormonism, though, (laughs) just to kind of put this weird little pin in this. Yeah. The photographer, Uh in his bio, Mm. says his work is focused on the Syrian and Iraqi refugee crises in Jordan and Lebanon. Okay. As well as explorations of Mormon culture in Utah. Okay. So this dude, the photographer, knows about Mormon culture and still took like no relevant pictures.
0: Uh I will abstain, Sugu, from saying anything because I'm <laughs> I'm on Michael Freeberg's website right now. Uh-huh. And I'm looking at his uh Projects and I'm looking at his uh, project devoted to the Church of Latter-day Saints. Okay. I'll just say I don't know anything about Michael Freebury. I don't want to be pejorative. I don't know anything about him. His f- pictures all feature a similar uh, – uh, the flash, blowout flash, seems to be a feature and not a bug. So – What it does for me personally, simply reacting to it, it creates a strong sense of staginess, which to my eye doesn't work. Okay. I'll just say that. And I, I can't really speak to the, the rest of it. Um. But if the, that's all I'll say about it. I don't want to go on too much about that. Yeah,
1: well, that's fair. I just <laughs> find it interesting that they pick this photographer who, in his bio, talks about his explorations in Mormon culture. And they go to Utah and interview a Mormon. And those are the pictures that he ends up those are the pictures. using in the Wired article.
0: It feels like something that you would think that you're going to get someone who's investigated the subject and has made the subject part of their art. That you would get something more interesting, or you'd you'd get something that's telling a story. And I will say his pictures in the article do tell a story. I don't necessarily think it's the story that they intended or maybe it is. I don't know. I'm I'm sort of I'm 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 left guessing with the pictures a little bit. I I think the the picture of Brandon in particular, I think is deliberate in what it's doing. The other ones I think yeah. strike me as just very slapdash. Um but I suppose we should leave it there. We've kind of gone way over, but this was kind of a big head. you know, this is, I think it's it does bring in a lot of things we have talked about in the past. So I thought it would be worth talking about. And, and certainly it impacts um, um, the sort of the cultural landscape, at least within uh, literature and publishing. So that is interesting. Um, let us know what you guys think. Um, Cause I know you people have thoughts about, about the article. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of thoughts. There's a lot of discourse about it. Let us know what you guys think um or are you you know i'm kind of curious like how long like how much steam that this is going to have this sort of the anger is going to have like is this going to go on a while it kind of feels like it is that'll do it for today folks thanks again for joining us once again i'm darby Harn, and you can find more information about me and my books at my website darbyharn.com. i'm also on twitter at darbyharn. sugu how can they find out more about us in the podcast
1: You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can reach us at our email address, shelfwarmers at gmail.com. Send us feedback about the show, your thoughts, opinions, recommendations, and insights on our perspectives. We're always happy to hear from you, our audience, and we'd love to share your opinions on our next show. Again, that's shelfwarmers at gmail.com. And if email isn't your thing, we're also on Twitter. You can reach us at shelf warmers. Give us a holler. We have new episodes every Friday. As always, remember to stay safe, wash your hands, practice social distancing, and get vaccinated when you can. Stick around to listen to a free clip of more content from us. Subscribe today and you can hear the rest of the following and more. Bye-bye.